Now we're going to be in Mark chapter 7 today. Mark chapter 7. We're going to read the first 13 verses. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. Mark chapter 7, 1 through 13. We'll read through it and then we'll pray. <clears throat> the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating their bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, in fact all the Jews, will not eat unless they wash their hands ritually, keeping the traditions of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, jugs, copper utensils, and dining couches. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating bread with ritually unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. Disregarding the command of God, you keep the tradition of men. He also said to them, You completely invalidate God's command in order to maintain your tradition. For Moses said... Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever benefits you might have received from me as Corbin, that is, a gift committed to the temple, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You revoke God's word by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other things similar things. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning and I thank you for these words and I pray that we would listen to these words and we would learn from them. God, that these words would be a good warning for us to be on guard of tradition in our own life, dear Lord, any tradition that would draw us from you. So I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, that you would forgive my pride, dear Lord, that you would speak through me, that the Holy Spirit would speak through my mouth and into each of our ears and each of our hearts, dear Lord, that we learn from and grow from and understand your word this morning. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Traditions. Now, I, I suppose that probably all of us have some traditions. Uh, you will see on the screen there a picture of the Wizard of Oz. That was a tradition for me and my <coughs> sister when we were kids. Because every year, there was one day a year, I don't know when it was, some afternoon, the middle of the week, and there was a channel that played The Wizard of Oz. Now, in those days, we only had three channels. And uh, we'd get the antenna in the right spot, and we would head over to my Papa Glenn and Granny Irene's house, and we would go inside, and we would turn on the TV, and, and she would buy us fruit roll-ups. It was our tradition. And we would sit there, and all four of us, both my grandparents and my sister and I, would sit there, and we would eat our fruit roll-ups, and we would watch... The Wizard of Oz. Now, we did that for many years when I was a kid. 
And it was a tradition. It was something I looked forward to. It was a fun tradition. It was neither a good or bad tradition. There was nothing intrinsically good or bad about watching The Wizard of Oz and eating fruit roll-ups, but it was something that we liked to do and that we looked forward to. And that's just one tradition. We all have our traditions, the way we do holidays and the foods we eat at holidays. And there are lots of traditions that we take part in in our lives. And those traditions sometimes, oftentimes, carry over into the church as well. There are many things as churches that we do that are traditions, that are traditional. We do them because, well, we've always done them that way. Traditions in and of themselves are not necessarily bad, but they can become bad, and particularly in a church. I believe passages like this passages are good passages for churches to consider, for good passages for us to think about, for us to consider, and for us to look at our own lives as Christians so that we make sure that our traditions don't overshadow God's commands that we don't allow our traditions to run the church, but that we allow God to lead and guide us and to command us as to what we should do or what we should not do. And that's what the problem was with Jesus here with these Pharisees and these scribes. Now, we're coming off a chapter where Jesus had just done a couple of miraculous things. He fed all of those thousands of people uh, with just a few loaves and some fish, Uh, We also saw that Jesus walked on water. We saw some miraculous things that Jesus had done. And now we just are moving along in the story here. And Jesus is approached by some Pharisees and some scribes. Now these are terms that you see sometimes when you read Scripture. Sometimes you also see the, uh, the, the phrase Sadducee. And these were the ones who often came against Jesus. Now these were very religious people in all of these groups, especially the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, There were differences between them. One main difference that we see in Scripture in the book of Acts is that the Pharisees believed that there would be a resurrection, and the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. So the Pharisees and Sadducees in that area and others did not agree with one another, but there was one area that they did agree, and that is they both didn't like Jesus. They both wanted to see Jesus done away with. Because the Pharisees uh, and the Sadducees were very much tradition keepers. Uh, They really followed these traditions of old. Now, they called themselves following the commands of God. In some instances, they were doing just that. But the problem of the Pharisees that we see here in this passage is that they were not only following the law of God, but they were, if we can say, building fences around the law. Well, if the law says this is wrong, then let's take an extra step and not even do this. That way, if we don't even do this, there's no way we can do that. And so they built these perimeter fences around what God's commands were, God's laws were. Well, if we're not supposed to to touch this, then we're not even going to go close to this. We're not even going to go to a place to this. And if we're not supposed to do that, then we're not even going to do X, Y, or Z. Whatever it was that they weren't supposed to do, uh, they made sure to go that extra step Uh, to not do it. For instance, if you commanded me, don't touch this pulpit, well, the command was not to stand up here on this platform. The command was not to touch the pulpit. But what they would do is they would say, well, to make sure I don't touch the pulpit, I'm not even going to step on the platform. And so they would make a new rule. They would make a new tradition. 
And then someone else may come along and say, well, to make sure that I don't touch the pulpit, not only am I not going to step on the platform, but I'm not even going to come in this room. I'm going to stay over here out of the way. And so what they did was they expounded on what the law said, and they added things that weren't necessarily there. And these things became their traditions. Now, some of them were written traditions, and some of them were oral traditions. They were things that were just passed down from generation to generation to generation. And eventually, people just did them. And they did them because, well, that's just what we do. That's what I was taught. Well, why did your grandpa do it? Well, that's what he was taught. Well, why did your great-grandpa do it? Well, that's what he was taught. And so these traditions just continued to roll along. And that's what was going on in Jesus' day. Uh, there were some writings uh, that were known as the Mishnah, and there were other writings too, that some of these traditions were written down and some of them were followed. And so when we see here in the passage, the Pharisees and the scribes talk about these traditions, that's what they were talking about. They were talking about these traditions that went over and above and beyond what God ever commanded or called the people to do. And the problem was is that they had begun to get so focused on the traditions that they had really missed out on what God was calling them to altogether. Now, we also see the scribes mentioned here, and they're a separate group from the Pharisees or the Sadducees. Uh, they were people who would be uh, considered experts in the law, that is, the law of God. They would have known what God's Word said. And they may have, uh, they may have uh, 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 said, well, we're Pharisees or we're, we're Sadducees. They may have connected themselves with one or other party. Uh, but oftentimes we see the three mentioned separately, Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. And so here are these Pharisees who had their own beliefs and traditions, as well as these scribes who were experts in the letter of the law. And they were always out to get Jesus. We've seen that even in these first few chapters of Mark. They were always looking for a way to stick it to Jesus. Any little thing he did, boy, they were ready to get, get on him. Now, some of the things that they got on Jesus about were not things that were wrong. They were things that were their traditions, but they weren't things that were sinful things that God had commanded. And this is one of the things we see here in this passage. This group, it says, came from Jerusalem. And in verse 2, it says they observed that some of his disciples were eating their bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. Verse 3, for the Pharisees, in fact, all the Jews will not eat unless they wash their hands ritually, keeping their traditions of the elders. Now, it goes on to say, not only that, but there are lots of other things that they wash and they keep clean too. If they've been to the marketplace and they come back and they need to eat, they want to make sure to wash everything that they could. Now, all of these things that they were talking about here were not commands of God. It's clear in the text. These were man-made traditions. Now, we're not just speaking here strictly from a, from a, 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 a sanitary point that they were, just, they were just clean freaks. And if they would have had those little bottles of anti-disinfectant, they would have had them over there. That's not what we're talking about here. Now, that's good. It's good for us to wash our hands. There's nothing wrong with washing your hands. Uh, but I must confess, I ate the other day and I didn't wash my hands. Uh, so and in the eyes of this group right here, well, I wouldn't be fit to stand here and preach to you. We was cleaning up at the house. We was cleaning out our cabinets. And, and you know how you get dirty when I was on the ground? I was dirty. And I ate. And as I was eating, I, was, I thought, I didn't wash my hands. And you know what I did? I said, hmm. And I kept on eating. But that is not 
what this group would have done, as we see from this text. Because here was Jesus' disciples, and they did not wash their hands. The problem, though, was much deeper than just sanitary things. The problem was, is that if you were to go to the marketplace, you may have touched someone who was unclean. You may have touched uh, meat that was sacrificed to idols or touched someone else who had touched something else who had touched someone else who had touched something else. And then you might have rubbed it on your clothes. And then you might have sat on your couch. Or you might have wiped your hand across a utensil. So, uh uh-oh, if you've been outside of the house, everything could be infected and you could be eating with unclean hands, not unclean in a sanitary sense, but unclean in a you've done something against the law of God sense of all these things that God would have said were unclean. And so they were going above and beyond. Well, if there's any chance that anything I've touched, that somebody else touched, that I went by might have been infected with something and touched something unclean, therefore, I must wash everything. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to wash all the way up to my elbows. I'm going to do it for 30 seconds. I'm going to scrub my couch. I'm going to scrub my utensils. And I'm going to go through this whole routine every time that I want to eat something. And that's probably what these Pharisees and scribes and maybe even some of the Sadducees too did. They really uh, were focused on things just like this. This is just one example, but no doubt there were others. And these were the traditions, it says here in Mark, of the elders. They did these things because, well, this is what their ancestors did. This is what was passed down to them. So they asked Jesus, why in the world uh, do your Pharisees, or excuse me, do your disciples do these things? In In verse five, then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating bread with ritually unclean hands? So they were appalled at what was taking place. Now here was Jesus, supposed to be this big shot, you know, this godly righteous man. He should be one who was teaching people to do godly righteous stuff. And the 12 who are under him that he's teaching the most and having the most impact on are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And those came to Jesus and they said, why are your disciples not following our traditions? What is wrong with them? Why are they not doing that? Now, Jesus gives another response in Matthew chapter 15 that's not here in Mark chapter 7. You can turn there if you would like. You don't have to. But the same account is in Matthew chapter 15, and it's, a, it's almost identical, not much difference. The, 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 the way that it's sorted out and the, the, uh, uh, the, the times that the things come come in different places. Uh, It's in a different order, uh, but the the information is the same. But one thing about Matthew uh, chapter 15 that Jesus responds, when they ask him the question in Matthew 15 uh, chapter, or excuse me, Matthew 15 verse 3, Jesus answered them and said, And why do you break God's commandments? Because of your tradition. And that's, that's, he asked them a question back. Jesus was so good at that. He was so good at always knowing just the right question to ask back. And so they asked him a question. Why do your disciples break man-made traditions? And Jesus responded, why do you break God's commands? Now, let's weigh that on the scale here. Which do you think is more important? Man-made traditions are God's commands. Well, the answer should be obvious. 
It should be God's commands. God's commands should be way more important than any traditions of the Pharisees or any traditions of us. But the Pharisees had got it backwards. Because they were so focused on their tradition, all of a sudden their traditions are raised up, and God's commands had fallen to the wayside. Well, they still claim to worship God. They still claim to follow God. They still claim to be godly, righteous people. The only problem was, is they weren't really following God's commands. They were more worried about following their own man-made traditions. And so they asked Jesus this question. And in Mark chapter 7, verse 6, Jesus says, He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. Whoa! Jesus was treading on some... Some, some bad ground there. He better tread lightly. He begins to pull up the Old Testament scriptures of Isaiah, Isaiah 29, 13, and that's his response to them. And he calls them hypocrites. Now this would not have gone over well. They would not have took kindly to being called hypocrites. And Jesus points out the real problem here, which is the real problem that Jesus seems to point out throughout many of his teachings. That is, their hearts are not in the right place. Jesus said, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you. He prophesied correctly. What Isaiah said fits you to a T. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines the commands of men. So what they were doing is they were taking these traditions and they had lifted them up to be something super important that all of God's people must do. And when they saw someone who was not doing that, they were offended by that because the people were not following their tradition and doing it the way that it had always been done among God's people. And Jesus called them out and said, Look, the problem is not with my disciples. That's what Jesus is saying in all this. And we'll talk more about that next week. Jesus said, the problem is not with my disciples. The problem is with you. Because you act like you're godly people. You say that you're godly people. You act like you're righteous people. You say all the right things with your lips. You give the Lord praise. You do and say all the things that a good righteous person should do. But Jesus says, even though you say everything right with your lips... Your heart is far from me. Now Jesus taught the same thing, essentially, in the Sermon on the Mount. As he began to break down some of these areas that they had misunderstood, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, that they had misunderstood God's Word. And Jesus corrected them on some of these areas in the Sermon on the Mount. And what did Jesus say in that? He brought it back to the heart. Because that's what God always looks at is the heart. God does not look at outward appearances, and it may shock us to know this, but God really doesn't care about our human traditions. He doesn't care about them. It's not that every tradition that we may do as humans is good or bad. Many traditions are indifferent. They're neither good nor bad. But they can become bad 
if we get to a point where we are like the Pharisees. They can become bad if our traditions are more sacred to us than doing God's work, loving God, and loving God's people. Now, we must be on guard as that as Christians. And that's one of my biggest fears for the church. I don't mean Enterprise Baptist Church. I mean Christians as a whole that congregate together as a group. That's one of my biggest concerns and fears for the church is that we get too caught up in tradition. That as Christians, sometimes we, we, we major on the minors. That is, we focus way too much on things that don't matter. And we don't spend enough time focusing on the things that do matter. Now, that's what the Pharisees did. And sad to say, there are many Christians who do the same thing today. And there may even be some in this room who fall into that category. However, that should not be where we desire to be. Our desire should not be to uphold our man-made traditions. Our desire should be to do what the Lord commands. Now, we too, some, may be guilty of saying the right thing while all the while our heart is not really concerned with doing the Lord's work. It's not really. And we say, well, sure it is. I definitely want to see the Lord's work done. Well, maybe you do. And the only way to know if your heart really does care more about the Lord or more about tradition, the only way that you can test that is when your traditions begin to be pushed upon. That's when you really know where your heart is. If the tradition that you hold is not a sinful tradition, is not a wrong tradition or a right tradition, it's just a tradition, and that tradition is pushed upon, or that tradition is removed, when it really has no effect one way or another for the kingdom of God, it's just something that may pass with the passing of time, well, what's your response going to be? Are you going to say, well, I like to do that. It was a good tradition, but everything's got its place in time, and that place in time is gone. Or are you going to say, that is the way we've always done it, and this is the way we're going to do it. I don't care if it breaks the church up. I don't care if I look bad and turn everybody off from Jesus. I am going to die on this hill, and I am not giving up this tradition. And the only way to know really how we feel on that or to really, really test it is to see when our traditions, the things that we like, are pushed upon. And when they are, we'll either have a good response or we'll have a response like the Pharisees. We'll begin to question people. Well, who are you to change our traditions? And that's exactly what the Pharisees did to the disciples. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11, you can turn there if you'd like to. You don't have to. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 11 says this. What are all of your sacrifices to me, asked the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed cattle. I have no desire for the blood of bulls and lambs or male goats. 
Now, God was saying here to the people, the problem was is that their heart was not on God. They were even doing the things that God had commanded them to do. But God ultimately was saying, even all of these sacrifices are not important to me. I don't care what you're giving to me. I don't care that you're going through the motions. I don't care about those things because your heart is far from me. And the same uh, things are reiterated in the New Testament. Uh, we see Jesus have to uh, address these things in Matthew chapter 9. We see him address it again in Matthew chapter 12, uh, where he says to the, uh, those who are coming against him, learn what this saying says. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Because a lot of the people of Jesus' day, boy, they were good about doing the sacrifices, giving the burnt offerings, following the letter of the law, or at least they thought they were. And Jesus said, look, you need to learn what the Old Testament really says. You need to learn what God really wanted. Now, yes, God did have some commands for the people of the Old Testament about the burnt offerings and things that should have been done. And those things should have been done until the time of Jesus. Now Jesus has come. Those things are no longer required. But even still, even with all of those things in the law that God had called the people to, his ultimate goal and desire was that the people would love him and have a heart for him and would trust him and would be obedient to him. And there were many people by the time Jesus came along and his disciples, and they were going through a lot of motions, and they were honoring him with their lips, but their heart was far from him. This was not a new problem. This was a problem in Isaiah's day, and it was still a problem in Jesus' day. And sad to say, it is still a problem in our day. That there are some who say, Oh yeah, I love the Lord. Oh yeah, God is most important to me. Oh yeah, I want to serve God. But really... We don't. Really, there are a lot of people who love religion. They love tradition. They love all of these other things. But they don't really love God. And the problem is, when religion and tradition are taken away, they have nothing left to stand on. There is no hope in religion. There is no hope in tradition. And we may be left looking just like the Pharisees which is why these verses are important to us, that we make sure we don't fall into the trap that is tradition, that we don't allow tradition to dictate the things we do to serve the Lord. There are old traditions that pass away. There are new traditions that come. And guess what? Eventually, the new tradition will become the old tradition, and it will soon pass away. And the cycle will continue until Jesus Christ returns. Back in Mark chapter 7. Verse 8. Disregarding the command of God, you keep the tradition of men. Now, that's something that's scary right there. It's something that we want to make sure that we try not to do. We don't ever want to disregard the things that God may call us to uh, in order to keep the things that we just want to keep around. Now, this could take take shape in many different forms or ways. Uh, there will no doubt be things that will arise in the future that here or wherever we may be that are traditions that we do uh, that we may stop doing. It's happened in the past. It's going to happen in the future, and it's, it's going to continue to happen. That's the way things do. We don't want to do what they were doing, disregarding the command of God to keep our man-made traditions. Verse 9, he also said to them, you completely invalidate God's command in order to maintain your tradition. 
For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. Now, this was a pretty straightforward command. Honor your father and your mother. We see that in the Ten Commandments. Uh, the command about being put to death we see later on in the text. And this was a serious thing. Now, Jesus brings this up because the ones who were coming against him were those who were claiming to be holier than thou. And Jesus said, All right, if you know the law, and you are those who follow the law to the T, and you are so holy, then why do you not follow this command? Why do you not follow the command that God gave through Moses? It says to honor your father and mother. Why are you disregarding this command of God? You'll wash everything in your house. You'll wash from your fingertips to your elbows. You'll wash all your utensils, and you'll judge everybody else because they don't do what you're doing. But yet all the while, you're not following God's command. And here's an example. You're not honoring your fathers and your mothers. Jesus goes on to say in verse 11, But you say... If a man tells his father or mother, whatever benefits you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift committed to the temple, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. So what these people were doing, some of them, is instead of taking care of their parents, they were taking whatever money that they would have given or things that they would have had for the care of their parents, they were taking those and they were giving to the temple. Corbin is the word there, and it tells us, thankfully, what it means. It means a gift to the temple. So they were saying, well, I'm not going to take care of my parents. Instead, I'll just take whatever I was going to give for their care. I'll give it to the temple, and then I'm free of having to worry with them. And then we can say, gee, mom, gee, dad, I would love to take care of you, but I have given my money to the temple of God, so therefore I cannot do it. And Jesus said, and you let them get away with it. Now, Jesus is calling them out. He's calling them out, not just because he's walking down the road and said, hey, you Pharisees, let me tell you what you're not doing. No, he's calling them out because they have called him out. They are bringing a charge against him and his disciples, and Jesus says, let me show you where you're missing the big picture. Let me show you what you're missing. You think you're doing what's right. You claim to be those who are following the law to the T. But all the while, you're not worried about doing what God says. You're totally looking over what God's Word says, but you are so concerned because somebody didn't wash their hands. They probably lay away at night thinking, I cannot believe those disciples. Did you see them? They did not wash their hand. I saw them go right by the meat table at the marketplace. Can you believe they did that? And they would get on their donkey and they would ride to their neighbors and they would say, can you believe I saw Peter? Can you believe he did not wash his hands? And it would spread amongst all the Pharisees and it was probably the talk of the town. Can you believe this group, this Jesus? He's trying to change our tradition and teaching his 12 disciples to do that. We got to get rid of him. Now that sounds kind of familiar to us because we've probably all been in a church that something similar happened. We had that sacred tradition, that way we did things. And somebody had the bright idea, probably the new pastor, I don't think we need to do this anymore. Oh, here we go. People catch wind of it. The phone calls start to happen. Can you believe he's coming in here? We have done it this way for 78 years. My great-grandpa started this church, and if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. We got to put a stop to this. Now, we laugh, but it's really not that funny because it happens 
It happens sometimes way more than it should. Now, I'm going to tell you all something, and you're probably not going to like it, some of you. But did you know that most of the things that we do are not commands of God? Did you know that God does not command us to meet at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning? 7 o'clock on Sunday night? Although we don't do that. Some of you probably want to get rid of me for that. I don't know. 7 o'clock on Wednesday night? Did you know that God does not command that we have a handshaking in the service and before handshaking we do a children's church? That God does not command in the middle of service we stop and two men come forward and put, take offering plates and pass them around? That God does not command that we have an invitation at the end of the service? That God does not command how we do dinner on the grounds? All of these things, or many of the things that we do in churches today, would you believe that these are just man-made traditions? And they are. Just about everything we do is a man-made tradition. Now, with that being said, not all traditions are bad, nor would I suggest that we do away with all traditions because if you do away with the traditions are there, guess what's going to happen? New traditions are going to start. It's a never-ending cycle. But there are some things that simply must come to an end. There are some things that just change. There are some things that are done different. And that is okay. It really is. Now, we have to be on guard and we have to be careful and we have to look at ourselves whenever we begin to talk about changing traditions. Some of you might be saying, he's preaching that because they fit to change something. No, I don't know. We might change something. I don't know. I ain't got nothing in mind, but God may put something on our hearts. I, it, ain't, it ain't no telling. But, but we may change something. I don't know. But look, here's the thing. Is sometimes we can go into a situation and we can say, I don't like that situation, it's got to change. Other times, we can be on the flip side. Somebody else coming into a situation and wanting to change it, and we don't want to let them change it. And we kick and scream and fuss and fight and feud and everything we can to make sure that it's not changed. Well, there are some things that you just have to let slide. That you may not like it, and you don't even have to agree to it, but there are some things that you just may have to let Slide. Now, I'll give you a good example of this. Here's a good one. Don't wear your hat in the church. That's a good one. That's a big one. Sometimes, if we see people coming into the church, we'll see them coming the door, and if they don't take their hat out, we say, they ain't going to take your hat off in the church. I don't know. And boy, we begin to judge them. Oh, they don't, they don't got no respect. They ain't got no respect for God. They ain't got no respect for other people. And some people, it has, been, it has just been raised in us, especially in the South, you don't wear your hat in the church. Well, there may or may not be scriptural evidence for that. I know some people will use scripture for that, although I don't believe that that's in scripture. Some of you disagree with me. I don't believe that that's a command of God, that you must take your hat off when you come into the church building, although many people do believe that. So as a result of that, if I wore hats, guess what I would do if I come here? I'd probably take my hat off probably take my hat off to keep the peace and that's the point 
There are sometimes there are things that we may agree or disagree with, and sometimes we just got to keep the peace. On one side, we may be the hat wearer that says, all right, even though it may not be wrong for me to wear my hat in the church, well, I'm going to take it off because I want to keep the peace. It ain't no big deal. On the flip side of that, those of you who are staunchly against hat wearers in the church, well, sometimes when somebody comes in with a hat, you know what you might just have to do? Just hug them and welcome them and tell them you love them and not think twice about it. Now, traditions and how we deal with them can work both ways. There are some things that maybe we don't have to do. We're not required to do. We could be a rebel and say, well, the Bible nowhere says I can't do it. I'm going to do it. I don't care who dislikes it. Bible don't say it. I'm going to do it. Well, that's not the right heart to have. I'm going to wear my hat. I'm going to go up in the chair. I'm going to wear two hats. Well, guess what? Your heart's not in the right place. You should never do things out of rebelliousness. There are some people in this world who may not know any better. Where their culture is, it may be respectful if you take, disrespectful if you take your hat off in a place. We look at things in American ways. You know, in some cultures, it's disrespectful if you come into bed with your shoes on. Every one of us come in with our shoes on. You know what happened if we went to that place? We would probably feel uncomfortable. We could say, well, it's not wrong for me to wear my shoes. Nothing in the Bible says I can't wear my shoes inside. I'm wearing my shoes inside. Well, you could do that. But guess what? If the culture you're in and the people you're around don't like that, well, you're going to be disrespectful to them. It's going to cause a problem. You know what's easier to do? Just take your shoes off. It's all right. It's not going to kill us. Just take our shoes off. You see, there are different traditions and different things that people do all over the world, and a lot of them are cultural to where we are raised and what we do. A lot of them are not commanded in Scripture to do or not do. They're just indifferent things. But the problem is, when we take those things that, that we consider to be bad manners and to be bad wrong, and they become most important to us, then we have a real situation. I was watching a TV show the other night, Michelle and I was, and one of the characters, uh, there was a situation that broke out. And this show was set back in the early 1900s, and boy, they were real traditional and formal about how things were done. And after World War I, things began to change, and the traditions began to change. And some of the older people in the show, one of the older ladies, boy, she wants everything to stay just the same. Nothing can change. We got to get back to the good old days when things was good, before all this riffraff started after the war. And there's another lady, she's kind of opposite of her, and she's more open-minded. And this discussion broke out about changes that were taking place. And this one woman said this thing, and it stood out to me because I was thinking about this passage this week, and it's really exactly what we're talking about. And she said, Manners and tradition are all very well, but once they begin to control us, they have outlived their usefulness. And traditions can do just that. Traditions can begin to control us. And I would say that that's exactly what was happening to these people in this passage. That was exactly what was happening to these Pharisees and these other religious people. Their traditions had begun to control them. They were following what the tradition said more than they were following what God said. They were more concerned with keeping those things and looking right among their other, uh, other friends and family and all those others by keeping those traditions that it was controlling everything they do. They were living enslaved to these traditions. And as a result of that, they were missing out on God. 
They were missing out on Jesus. It was Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, who was healing people, raising people from the dead, feeding thousands with nothing but a, but a, few, a few loaves and a couple of fish. This was Jesus Christ, who they had no doubt seen and heard about, who was right before him, for them, and they missed him completely because they were so worried about their traditions being changed. And I'm fearful that there are many people sitting in churches today and they are missing Jesus. Boy, they see God's Word. They hear God's Word. They hear the grace and the mercy of the Gospel, the love of Jesus Christ, what Jesus calls us to. And all the while, that goes in one ear and out the other because they know the business meeting is coming up and somebody wants to change the order of service. And we can't let that happen. So it doesn't matter what the Scripture says, the Sunday school lesson, the preacher. doesn't matter. we got to put a stop to this. And that is what we must be on guard against. That's what we must look out for, that we don't fall into that same trap that these men and women fell into. That we don't miss the forest for the trees. That our concern is more with serving Jesus than it is with following traditions. Sometimes we've got to give and take a little bit, no matter what side you're on. Well, it's okay. I'll do that or not do that. Somebody else does something? Well, I just can't bear to do it. I just cannot bear to do it. Some things are so ingrained in us, we just cannot bear to do them. And you don't have to do those things. Praise the Lord, ain't that great? You don't ever have to wear a cap in church. It is great. You don't have to do that. But what we must be careful for is to know that there may be others who come in and we must not be quick to judge and say, well, just because they don't follow our man-made tradition, that does not mean that they are some kind of evil outcast that doomed for hell. We sometimes want to label people that way if they don't follow our traditions. But not everybody was raised in the same way that we are, and we are all raised in different ways. And some people, believe it or not, that may come to church may not even be saved. They are completely lost. And you know what we should expect from people who don't know any better? Well, we shouldn't expect much because they don't know any better. We should expect people who don't know any better who come into church, we should expect to... Teach them better and be an example to them. And I don't mean when they come in doing something and say, you better take your hat off or you're going straight to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that we invest in people and say, look, Jesus loves you. Come in here and be part of us and let us tell you about who Jesus is. And that's true inside the church or outside of the church. We see people that don't do stuff the way we do. It's all right. Because many of those things are not bad or good one way or another. What is important to us is what God's Word says. And that is what should be our focus and our desire. In verse 13, you revoke God's Word by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Now, we don't want to focus on tradition and to revoke God's Word. We do, however, want to focus on Jesus Christ because that is what we come for. And what Jesus looks at is our heart. And what Jesus wants us to do is to love the Lord with all of our heart. And what Jesus wants us to do is to love our neighbor as ourselves. What Jesus wants us to do is to take care of those who are poor and needy. 
What Jesus wants us to do is to look after the widows and orphans. What Jesus wants us to do is to love our enemies. What Jesus wants us to do is above all maintain an intense love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's it. At least I think that's it. I've read the Bible a pretty good bit, not as much as some of you probably, but I've read it a pretty good bit, and I'm, I'm kind of narrowing it down, and maybe things will change the more I read it, but I'm kind of narrowing it into that funnel, and that's pretty much what I think Jesus wants us to do. I think that really sums it up. And not in that list, if you may have noticed, was continue to do traditions that we've always done. That's not saying I, I think they're all bad, but I'm indifferent, really. I just want us to love one another. I just want us to love the Lord, and I want us to love other people. And that should be the focus of our church. That should be the focus of our hearts. That should be the focus of us here together. That should be the focus of us individually when we go out into the world. That what is most important is not the way that we like things done necessarily, although we do like things our way, and it is good when they go our way. That's not the most important. What's most important is when things go God's way. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for these words. And I pray that you help us not to be blind to what you call us to, your commands, the things that you would desire of us, that we would be obedient to you, dear Lord. I pray that if there's any in here, maybe they struggle with tradition. Maybe there are things that they like. And it's okay, dear Lord. There's a lot of good traditions that we do like, things that have good memories to us. And God, I pray that if we do have those things, that you help us not to dwell on them too much and let them control us, God. Uh, and, and if, if there are times that we judge people, dear Lord, that don't do things the way we do it, well, let us maybe reflect in our own life and be a little less quick to be judgmental, dear Lord. Maybe there are things that we hold on to and maybe we need to let them go. Maybe that's part of drawing closer to you, dear Lord. Maybe by letting go of some old stuff, we can realize that, hey, it wasn't that important after all. But dear Lord, whatever uh, it may be that's in our life, no matter what side of tradition we're on, God, know that everything we do is tradition. God, things come and things go and help us to, to know that, but help us to know that you are eternal and your words are eternal and Jesus Christ is eternal. And so help us to not miss your words and being obedient to you. God, these Pharisees, they missed it. They missed it completely. They were so worried about stuff that didn't matter and God, I pray that you would help us not to be guilty of the same thing. Help us as a church. This is a danger, dear Lord, that, that all churches face. And help us not to, not to be affected by this danger. Should there be changes that come whenever they may come, if that time comes, when that time comes, dear Lord. Well, let us love one another enough to know that, hey, we're going to make it through whatever change. As long as it's a thing that's, that's not going to distract from you, dear Lord then let us be faithful to do what you call us to do, whatever that may be. God, maybe there are some in here today and they've never really trusted Jesus Christ. Maybe they're here today and they realize for the first time that they have been honoring you with their lips, but their heart is far from you. Well, dear Lord, I pray today that they would know that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for them, that they can come to him, God, that he is, that he is the best heart doctor in the world, that he can take a broken heart and a, and a sinful, dirty heart and he can forgive it. So God, I pray that if there are some whose heart is not in you this morning, that they would bring their heart to you, dear Lord, that they would give it to Jesus Christ, that they would ask for forgiveness of sins. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.